0: your life i am your god i deserve everything there's nothing that man deserves nothing man can do whatever he is ever was or ever will be is because of the grace of almighty god therefore tender your heart toward me my children feel me i have felt after you and i found you therefore feel after me for i am real near to you search your life Search your heart and search your mind, and set not your spirit against me, saith God. For I am your friend, I am not your enemy, and I will give you grace and power and strength that the world knows nothing about. Hear now, and worship me, saith God. Hallelujah. God, uh, a little bit of confusion right at the moment, and want wanted to be clear It's just simply that God says I'm a loving God and I care concerning you, care concerning your walk for me. The words that I speak to you are not not the words that of admonition as much as it is for edification. For I love you and reach out for you and want to press you close to my bosom. And many times when I do that, you pull back and draw back. Please don't draw back from my love. Says the Lord for it is my love. The only thing that can exist in the world that's so unloving. So love me and present yourself to me. In the words of Jesus wants to you know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated for a moment because there's several scriptures that I want to call your attention to we'll be reading from the 95th Psalm and then the third chapter of Hebrews and then we'll be dealing tonight with st. Matthew the fourth chapter let's read those scriptures Of old, of course, was our negative example, usually on how not to please God. Right. And he leaves some very valuable things, so important as it were, that uh, Paul picks it up in Hebrews. And speaks it both, of course, it's spoken both in the Old and the New <laughs> Testament. And beginning the seventh verse of 95th Psalm. It says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now, notice again, he's talking to Israel, which was his people. Right. He wasn't talking to the Gentiles or uh, so called sinners, but he's talking to Israel, his people. And he says, He is our God, we're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, they have not known my ways. And notice on the last uh, message we told you that a lot of people know God, but they don't know his ways. And he lets us know that Israel, though knowing God and knowing his miracles, and certainly was acquainted with a God of miracles, still did not know his ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And then, of course, Hebrews picks it up, the Apostle Paul speaking, and lets us know that this was not the psalmist David that was speaking this, or Asaph, or whichever one was supposed to be speaking it, but This was spoken back then by the Holy Ghost. So notice what he says in the 7th verse, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice. Now this is uh, not Paul, and this is not David, but this is the Holy Ghost. And it's pinned down under that caption, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Now notice what he says, So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And then David brings it down to the place where he's at, and writes it, For our admonition also, where he said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened or calloused through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if, now you notice that little word in there, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, while it is said today, mm-hmm. to get that right, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, for some when they had heard did provoke. Albeit right. not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that he should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This was practical unbelief. Practical disobedience. And what God is saying to us there is that everything just won't automatically turn out all right. He's telling us that sometimes, just because we take the easy way out, it doesn't come out all right. He's pointing to us a negative situation. Israel of old is our negative example of making the wrong choices under pressure. When they're pressured to do something, Israel always took what seemed the easy way out of a situation. Throughout the Bible, you will see Israel making wrong choices under pressure. Wrong decisions under pressure. And these scriptures as well as others was inserted in there to show us what not to do under pressure. And then of course we're going to go and we started a little bit last week in Matthew the 4th chapter in the 2nd verse and it is pointing to our positive example Jesus. And Jesus shows us the choices that can be made under pressure, In each area of temptation, Jesus quoted Scripture. In other words, he was well versed in the knowledge of the uh, Scriptures, the scrolls at that day, and quoted Scripture to the devil. Now, the Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And we said before that He was not led around the wilderness. He was not led over the wilderness. He was not led to the edge of it and then found an easier way to go around it. He was led by the Spirit, not by the devil, but by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible says when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. Now that's pressure. Right then he was going to be called upon to make some decisions that would affect his life and his ministry, his witness and his obligation to mankind in the wilderness while he was hungry. A lot of times we feel like when we fast 40 days and 40 nights that uh, we ought to automatically be caught up into the third heaven. But Jesus faced his greatest foe after he had been in the wilderness and after he had underwent all of these things, 40 days, 40 nights, pasted and prayed and came out. And the minute he got out of there, the tempter, which is the devil, came to him with some easy ways out of his situation. Was telling him, now listen, I know you're hungry, and I know that you need to eat, but you don't have to worry because you have authority and power to be able to just turn these stones into bread. Now, in every area, if we read that, Jesus quoted scripture. In other words, he had on, according to Ephesians 6.17, the whole armor of God. He knew better than to face the enemy under pressure situations without being armed with what uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians to be armed with. And Jesus, our positive example on what to do in hard times, on what to do when things are going bad for us, on the decisions to be made when we're pressured. Decisions are easy to be made when there's no pressure around. Right. When there's nothing bothering us at all. When things are going fine and the world is bright and everybody is glad for you and everybody is your friend and nobody is your enemy and decisions come along and we make them and it's easy to do. But when God leads us into pressure situations which He has, on some of us, which He has and will on others. Mm -hmm. Remember this one thing. To be a Christian and to be a growing Christian and a mature Christian, you're going to be led into the wilderness of pressure. God is going to put you in a place where you're going to have to make a decision while there's pressure every place around you. When things are going wrong, when nobody seems to understand you or your problems, you have to make decisions. You see, Jesus met these with the Word of God. The Word of God was in His heart. Right. Might I stop long enough to say we need to get this Word mm-hmm. out, of the, uh, out of the pages of this book, and we need to get it in our heart. We need to understand that it's not just a word, it is the Word. It is substantial for us. The only thing that will stand. Simply knowing a lot of verses is not going to give us through. I mean, you can quote Scripture to the devil all you want to unless that word is in your heart, unless you understand the power of it, unless you understand the usage of it and the authority you have with it, it doesn't phase him at all. Just to say you know Scriptures doesn't mean anything. But Jesus went... With his loin girt about with truth. He went in there with a breastplate of righteousness. He went in there with his feet shod with the preparations of the gospel to meet every foe. He went in there with a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And he went in there with a sword which is the word of God. Now the words Jesus spoke was not just memorized scriptures. Not something he just memorized though he did know them. But they were far from just memorized scriptures. They were drawn from the Word of God that was deep in his spirit and deep in his heart. He understood the Word of God. He understood that it was not just something that you speak, that it was powerful, that it was anointed, that it had authority in it, and that he had the privilege of using it. Amen? How many of us realize we have the privilege of using the Word of God? right of fighting with the Word of God. This was not the Logos, so to speak, which is is the whole body revealed truth, which was Jesus when He was here, and then is the whole body revealed truth. But this is... uh, And there's several different definitions coming from the Greek word, uh, but we're not going to give you a lesson in that. But this was not the Logos. This was what is known as the Rima, Word of God. This is individual scriptures used in the time of your need. Scriptures that you are acquainted with, Scriptures that you know about, and Scriptures that carry authority and power that you can use in your time of need. Right. may not be the same Scriptures that Jesus had, but the Bible is filled with Scriptures that Jesus has left us to counteract the power of any force Amen. of hell. He does not leave us defenseless. He does not leave us there to fight uh, the battle ourselves. He has provided us with the RHEMA word of God. In other words, any time you read concerning that word, most commentaries and commentators will lead you to Ephesians six seventeen, which says, "Sword of the Spirit," which is the Word of God. Amen. In other words, this is a sharp, piercing word that you realize can cut asunder and will cut asunder, and you can use that with the authority of God. God has allowed every one of us to have the rhema word of God, the cutting sword of the word of God. Notice Jesus did not just go in with defensive armor. In other words, what we have done over the past years is just defend ourselves has just used the uh, loin skirt about and the breastplate and her feet shot and the uh, sword of the, or the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, and we've never really recognized that in our hands God has placed an offensive weapon to be used against the powers of hell and said you have the authority and power to use it. That power is not in us, it is in the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit. All we have to do is be willing and knowledge and acknowledge that God has given us this. Just quoting verses at demons is ineffective. The rhema word that God drops in our spirit and drops in our heart is piercing and it's cutting. One verse or greater truth that's under the influence of the rhema word of God is going to penetrate. It is going to cut asunder. It is going to get the job done. Why is it? Because it is a sword. It is a cutting instrument. It is something that will cut our minds loose. It is something that will penetrate the powers of hell. It is something that will deliver us and move us from the adversary. And something that will give us the power to make a decision under pressure. Jesus used that piercing, cutting word of God. He used it on the devil. He didn't use it uh, like sometimes we do upon one another. He used it upon the adversary, which is destructive and wants to destroy our soul. He had the Word. It was buried deep inside of him. He understood it. He read it. He was concerned about it. Now, a lot of times we don't have answers to our question because we don't know what the Word of God says. We're not acquainted enough with the Word of God to use a scripture. We don't know them. That's why we uh, time and time again said get acquainted with the Word. Get inside of this Bible and find out what to do and what not to do. Right. And find a scripture you can use. Right. There's scriptures that's in there that you can use when you need healing. When you need to break the bond of the adversary. When you need peace in your life. When you need well-being in your life, when you need to know which way to go and what to say and what to do, there's a word of God in there for us, already written Amen. under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God says, get it out of there. Jesus had to know the scriptures. Yes. And if he had to know the scriptures, God help us, what makes us feel like that we can whittle away our days and hours, never crack the Word of God, very seldom or very often, never read it or understand it, and once we do read it, don't realize that it is for us. They are in there for us to take and use. And individual scriptures, which is the Rema Word of God, when pressure was put on Him, Jesus All you got to do is read it in the fourth chapter. He came out, the tempter came to Him and said, If Thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. In other words, the whole being was to get Jesus in a pressure situation to act for Himself. In other words, to take the easy way out. And always in a pressure situation... There's an easy way. It'll turn out to be a hard one, but there is an easy way. A way that you can take like Israel of old. When he was faced with eating into the promised land, uh, saw that there was giants in the land. God had already said it was theirs. But they denied God's power, denied God's word, refused to believe Him, turned their back on Him, and marched into the wilderness. And every time God tried to deal with them, they refused him, and each time their heart become harder and harder and harder and harder until God finally said, there is no way that I can deal with his heart. Can you imagine? You said, well, he's a God of mercy. Yes, he is. But he's a God of wrath also. Yes, and is. sometimes we can just deny him. We can just refuse Him. We can just put Him on His shelf. We can just have our way and do it our way and refuse God. And each time we do, our heart becomes a little more hardened. That's right. And a little more callous to what God wants. And one refusal after another to hear what God has to say, the plan of God hardens our heart like it did a little more than the children of Israel. But this is our master. This is our example. Ever place the bible talks about when we look our positive example ought to be jesus yes. he made the right choices yes he made the right choice in the wilderness he used the word of god that's all he had sometimes we look as spirit-filled individuals we look for some great big blast of heaven to come down and overshadow us and do all these things for us and sometimes we're left listing. Not knowing what to do because we have never realized that God has left uh, there for an advantage us the Word of God, left it written, and said it's yours to be used, not to your advantage. But when you're under pressure, God is asking you yes. to make the right choice, make the right decision. Your spiritual life depends on that. Your uh, welfare depends upon the decisions and choices you make under pressure. And friend, we're living in a pressure-packed world. Can you say amen? We're living in a world that there's pressure from the morning you get up until the night you go to bed, and sometimes pressure wakes you up in the middle of the night and won't let you go back to sleep. There's pressure in the material world. There's pressure in the financial world yes. and there's pressure in the spiritual world. Jesus did not say that we would be immune to that. He just said it was going to come and most likely when we're there it is because the Spirit has led us there. Right. Now we'll get to the reasons why it led us there. But Jesus had an answer every time the devil come to Him. Now the things that Jesus meant, of course is All uh, wrapped up, and you've heard this before, in the three things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he had to handle all of those situations with the word of God. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But the devil wasn't through with him yet. You see, it takes a little bit more than that to get rid of a devil. And he takes him in a holy city, sets him in a pinnacle of the temple, and says, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash their foot upon the stone. And Jesus again used the Rima, cutting word of God, to say, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord our God. He wasn't through yet. The devil again takes him on the mountain, shows him all the kingdom of this world, and said, Bow to me, and I'll give you all of these. Everything that your eye can see is going to be yours. Well, Jesus knew that in the eventual end it was going to be his anyway. And he didn't have to bow to the enemy. And the devil comes the same way and says, If you will just bow down to me, now you're not going to be bowing down. There's somebody with horns and red and a long tail. He's slicker than that. He's more shrewder than that. And he comes to you as an angel of light and says, Listen, that's just too rough and that's just too hard. And there's really there's no sense in that. That's just simply foolish. And you shouldn't do that. I'll show you an easier way. And the first thing you know, you're worshiping, not necessarily the devil, but you're worshiping flesh. All right, and when that's all said and done, it's under the instruments of the enemy. And you're worshiping that and doing what it says. And in other words, it has relegated God to second place while we take over. And inside there, Jesus simply says, Satan, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. In other words, there should be no service to us. We should give the devil no credit at all. And all of these things. But Jesus, every place he went, all of his life was pressure packed. You're following. You read the scriptures. And you follow his life and his ministry. And every place he went, there was a choice. He could take the easy way or he could take the hard way. And in all of these things, he is our example to be used as our example, that under pressure, make the right decisions. Know what God is asking of you. Do the right thing. Find where God is. And finally, His pressure took Him to the cross. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, when He went to kneel to pray under pressure, was a choice. One of the greatest choices and the most pressure I believe in a sense that he ever had when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane asked those that was closest to him to pray with him and he went a little farther and knelt back and they came, he came back and they was asleep. His words, couldn't you just watch one hour? And then he went again and came back and he said, can't you just watch one hour? And then he went again. And the pressure was so great, upon Him decision had to be made. What kind of decision would He make? Now we know what He did. But suppose you didn't know. Suppose you'd never read. Suppose you didn't know and you're following Him and you go into Gethsemane and He's there and He's got to make a choice. Will He give Himself as a ransom for many, or will He live? Come on. See, that's the choice that He had to make. Went into Gethsemane, and there He prayed, Precious so great, Lord, when he had that great cup filled with the vows of sin of all humanity came down in His face, and he felt the pressure upon him. And he knew what it was going to be. He simply cried out, Lord, if there's any other way that this can be done, take this cup from me. I don't want to have to drink it. Come on. And he stared there with all humanity in the balance. You and I were in his mind, saints. Yes. You and I were in his eyes as he looked and saw it. And said, I've got to make a choice. If there's any way salvation can come, other than through my death, God let it come. And then the pressure again melted and finally... He made a decision, had ransomed us all from hell and the grave. He looked up to God and said, Finally, not my will, but thy will be done. And salvation then become ours because Jesus, under pressure, made the right choice and salvaged us Amen. from the depths of sin and hell. Amen. That's our example. What was his reward? All power is given Him in heaven and earth. The Bible says He sat down on the right hand of power. In other words, what He did, the choice He made, brought Him eternal power and eternal glory. He's trying to tell us that sometimes it's not a popular decision. Sometimes flesh don't want to be crucified. How we're not going to be naturally nailed to a cross. How a lot of times, spiritually, we are. We all have a cross. We all have to bear it. We all sometimes have to hang on it. And Jesus is letting us know that after that, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God the Father, there with the inheritance of it all. He made a choice. A choice under pressure. A choice that said, I'll die. It's not the easy way out. It's not an easy choice to make. It's not something that I would in the flesh want to do. You see, not only was he all God, he was all man. Had the same feelings as he knelt there, you and I do. Had the same opportunities to make a choice as we have. And under pressure, not like Israel, not hardening his heart against what God wanted out of them, but willingly submitting himself to the cross and saying, I'll do it. It has to be done. There is no other way. Humanity will suffer. There is no salvation outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he knew that. And he made the choice. And he said, nevertheless, not what I want. No worshipping place there. No sacrificing the place there. But he laid himself open to the cross of Calvary and said, I'll bend to your will, God. I'll bend to your will. Now what took him into the wilderness? What took Him to the cross? The leadership of Almighty God. He led Him there. He made Him realize that these trips, you know, heard that say, is this trip really necessary? Yes, it was. It was necessary for Him. And these trips, this trip, these trips, that we make as God leads us out of the fun and games, as He takes our toys away from us one by one, as He speaks to us and tells us He's tired of us being baby tired. He's tired of us living uh, not the life that He wants. He's sick and tired of us with gain and natural gain. And He wants us to make some trips yes. into the unknown yes. where we'll under pressure make a choice when we are the other. His reward, power is given to Him in heaven and in earth. Our reward, if we do what Jesus says, If under pressure we just look to God and say, I don't understand it. I don't have the slightest idea what is here. I don't know where you're going with me, God. I don't know what you're going to do there. But I am submitting myself under the mighty hand of God. And every time the enemy comes after me, I've got a word for him. It's a real word. It's a funny word. It's word. Hallelujah! You realize you can cut the bondage of the devil that's on you with the Word of God? Did you know that? That's why God almost insists that we praise and worship Him. Yes. Because He knows sometimes how we're bound in our spirit. He knows that. It's not to put us down. It's to lift us up. It's to help us. And it's to show to Him that we respect Him and His Word. That's what Jesus got for making the right choice. Hard choice. Hard choices. Each place and each time He ended His life making the hardest choice of his three years and a half ministry, when he walked out of the Garden of Gethsemane, fully persuaded in his heart that he was going to finish the course that was set before him, fully persuaded in his heart, knowing the agony of the cross, yes. knowing that where God was leading him, knowing into that because you see what he felt was people was depending on him. Now you might say that's Jesus. But let's just turn it around to us. People are depending upon us. Oh, yes. Sir. What decisions we make under pressure, what experiences we have, what witnessing is ours, somebody is looking at us. Yes. Some soul is dependent upon what you do with what you've got. Right. Amen, Brother Host. Right. Somebody is watching your life. And somebody is watching you and seeing what you do in the circumstances that is not really funny to you. See, it does away with the charismatic type of thing that is all fun and games and dance and there's no pressure and no negative thoughts and all that. Just simply does away with it. All the Scripture will do away with it if you just get into it. He lets you know that there are times when God wants us to grow up. And He has no other alternative sometimes than to lead us into places to mature us. And sometimes just to prove us. I doubt seriously there was any doubt in the mind of Almighty God the decision Jesus would make. But He put Him under that pressure just the same. For a reason. That's what Jesus did. That was the positive thing. The negative, what about Old Testament Israel? They repeatedly... Uh And they deliberately made wrong choices under pressure. They knew better than to do what they were doing, but their heart had become so hiding that they didn't feel like that God didn't make any difference anyway. God would, some way, just see them through. God. Kind of like just tossing the thing up, and wherever it falls, everything's going to be all right. And you hear that thing, you know, you just uh, just muddle through any way you can. Doesn't matter. God being a just and a gentle God, He'll just see you through. Well, with Israel, everything did not turn out all right. They didn't know His ways, and God said, "They're not going to get into My rest." Come on. You see, the final chapter was death in the wilderness. Now, what did that mean? That meant they would never enter into the place that God had planned for them. Now, oftentimes, we don't want to make it sound like uh, that everybody's going to go to hell if they happen to miss a willing experience, but what we're trying to say is God has a divine plan for your life. Every one of us, when we come to God, He knows our potential. He knows through Him what we can do. He doesn't ask any more out of you than what He knows you can do through His power and His help. He knows that some of us are limited as far as education. He knows that about me. He knows talents with some of us are not as great as others. And He knows there's uh, an area of great things. All of us are diverse and all of us are different. But He also knows when He calls you that there is a potential in your life. He knows what it is and He wants you to reach it. Amen. Whatever it takes for you to reach potential, but they never, they never reached, as Israel of old, the potential God had planned for them. Now, God's plan for them was to march 11 days through the wilderness, over the sea, over the Jordan River, over the sea, into the promised land, and take what was theirs without any problems. That was God's plan for them. He knew that through Him, they had the potential to do it. Right. But when it comes time to use the Word of God, the ten spies come down and says, why they eat people alive. There. Those people are so big and so great there's no way we can take the left. God had already said, that was their Word, God had already said, I've given it to you. You see, they could have used the Word and said, I don't care how big the devil is, God's already said his ours.'" And that would cut it asunder. That was God's plan for them. But right on the brink, I think this is a scary thing, saints. Right on the brink, they turned. And that was their undoing. That alone was not all of it. God turned them into the wilderness for lessons. For refusing Him, that there could have been any time when they finally understood what God wanted, that God would have turned them right around and brought them all back into the promised land. Uh-huh. But each time that God dealt with them, each time they would refuse Him, and each time they would deny Him, and finally they come to the place where they just simply mocked Him had done away with Him and built Him an idol and fell down just like a calf in Egypt fell down to that and worshipped it. Oh, God. Until God finally said, They've hardened their hearts. They don't know my ways. In other words, they don't have any understanding of what I wanted out of them when I led them out from the bondage of Egypt. They don't understand what I wanted out of them. Come on. Now we can look and say, My, my, Israel, God brought you out. God brought you out with a mighty hand. God put thee fire by night and the cloud by day and He opened up the Red Sea and He gave you manna from heaven and He gave you water from rock and everything you ever wanted. Shame on you for not being what God wanted you to be. But let's look at ourselves. Forget Israel. Let's look at ourselves and let's try to understand are we going to allow God to bring us to the place He's planned for us? As an individual and as a church, God has some plans for our community chapel. Are we going to let Him fulfill them in our lives? Are we going to get the edge of something rich and powerful and anointing that would help us in our community and turn around and wander into the wilderness? My Lord, because God is asking some hard thing out of us. What is so hard? Crucifixion. Denying yourself. Crucifying yourself. Putting yourself asunder. Forgetting about it. And finding out, God, what do you want? Just like Jesus. Just like He said. Just like He said, it's not my will. He made it known clear to you that that wasn't what He wanted. That wasn't what He planned, but He knew what God had planned. And He used the Word. He used the words. Yes. He knew where He was going and what he's going to do. Yes. But the thing is, with Israel, they deliberately, Come on. deliberately made wrong choices. Deliberately made wrong decisions and never was able to get to the place that God had ordained for them. Many of them, all of them except two and those under 20 died in the wilderness. I looked at that and I thought, God, what a waste. What a shame, what a waste of humanity that could have enjoyed the promised land and the kingdom of God inside in the natural area, and yet wasted, dying in the wilderness, bones bleached, dead. And their promise was theirs all the time. And they simply turned and made. The wrong decision. We have authority in the Rema Word of God. We have the authority to pick up that word and use it. God has given us that. But there should be some cautions on this. We ought to be very careful on how, and sometimes even if we use our authority when we're under pressure. Jesus was talking to us there. He had the authority. To, turn, to have the stone turned into bread. He had the authority to do all of these things. It was His. And under pressure sometimes, if we are not careful, we'll use that authority the wrong way. Right. For the wrong reasons. For selfish reasons. For reasons that make a show of us. I'm not of God. Just because you have authority on the Word of God doesn't mean that you can be careless with it. And a lot of times we get to the place to where we're super saint. We've got this gift. We've got that gift. We've got this authority. We've got this power. And we feel like that we are just obligated to use it anytime, anywhere, any way that we want to do it. But what God gives us is always under the authority of Him. His Word is His and He gives us the right to use it. But He says you use it right. Insecure and immature people have a tendency to use their authority unwisely and at their own discretion. That's the problem with our gifts anymore. Is we want them used uh, at our discretion the way we want them use. And sometimes when we use them in ourselves, it's always going to be wrong. It's always going to be hurtful. Has never anything good comes out of old Adam's nature. Nothing good ever comes out. Even though we have their power and authority and God gives it, when we use it under Adam's nature, it can help and do wrong and do hurt. And it has time and time and time again. But people that's mature in the Lord often have authority. They have gifts. And they have information that they never use at their discretion. And sometimes they never even use it. That's right. Because God gives them those things for their benefit. And to know exactly what goes on in life. Just because you know something by the word of knowledge, and we've been uh, probably going to go into that Wednesday night or the next Wednesday night some more. Just because you know something by the word of knowledge doesn't mean that you are to use it at that time or sometimes not even at all. That's right. That's the truth. But we feel like, now this is authority, this is power, this is the Word, but we feel like because we are gifted and knowledgeable and have authority, and when God shows us something, tells us something, we feel like immediately we ought to just get out and use it. But that's really not the case. Sometimes God tells us things so we can just pray about it. Amen. Shows us things in individual lives that if you would approach that individual with those things, it would just turn them off. That's right. right. It wouldn't do anything but just turn them the other direction. But you know it. And you know the need. And you know that God can reach them. And so you just use that information as a basis of prayer. Right. And so you get out on your knees and pray. And, and then you care for those that are struggling under pressure. You know they are. You see they are. You know what is what direction. You know the struggle they're having because you've been there. But sometimes, if you go up and tell them, now listen, I've been through this and I know all about it. Now if you just listen to what I have to say, and all this all, all turn out all right. Now it might. But sometimes when people's under pressure, they're just not in a position to listen to what we've got to right. say. That's right. All right. But if we care about them, if we're concerned about them, and God shows us these things, I don't know where of I speak. Because God shows me a lot more than you think He does. Amen? If you, if you knew what God showed me, you'd be a little more careful in what you do <laughs> and what you say. But there's a lot of these things uh, that, as far as I'm concerned, cannot be divulged cannot be used with authority as I maybe would want to use them. And it can be used in prayer and concern about individuals that God can penetrate and move inside and bring them to a place where God can deal yeah. and where God can mature. You see, there's an example of, of pressure. I can't go through it all. I, I, I have so many notes are so many different areas that I wanted to go that I've become confused. Have you ever done that? I mean you just get involved in something and, and you just get to go this way and that way. And finally, when you end up and you look at it and you thought, where do I put this? Where does this go? Where does that go? What am I gonna do with this? Besides that, I can't preach two hours, they won't listen to me. And so one example, of course, is Abraham. Abraham was a big man and he was big in heart, and he big in spirit, and he had a flexibility of his heart. Yes. Abraham was flexible. In other words, everything didn't have to go Abraham's way. Did I hear the source of there blessing? No. Uh-huh. I feel like I did. I mean, I just felt... Moved. <laughs> Wham! You know, just come back. Let me say it again. Abraham had a flexible heart. He just didn't demand always that everything go his way. He's like a lot of us. He would lack for it to, because after all, well, our ways is the best. But it just didn't happen with Abraham. And finally, he, he brought Lot uh, out, out of the land with him. Might have been better off he he left him, but he brought him out with him. <laughs> Alright? And finally it come to the place where uh, Lot and Abraham's herdmans wasn't getting along. And so Abraham told Lot that we're going to have to separate uh, our uh, herdsmen are not getting along, and we don't want this, and if, if that keeps up, when our herdsmen begin to struggle and fight, first thing you know we're going to get involved in. That's right. And Abraham was smart enough that he didn't want any involvement with his nephew Lot. And so he simply said now lot, we're going to have to separate. Uh, you choose which way you want to go." And Lot just looked at the well watered plains of Jordan and said, I'll tell you what, Uncle, I'll take that and you take the desert. Wasn't that big hearted of him? <laughs> I mean, he, that was a great choice. He said, uh, uh, You give me my choice, so uh, I'm going to go this way and uh, you just take the desert. Now, that's really paying you back for bringing you out of some place and end to something, right. Every promise was made was Abraham's. Lot had no part of it. The only way he could have had it was stay with Abraham. But both men made choices in their tent that day that set them up for the final chapters of their life. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty and the closing of this. Sometimes we make decisions and choices that is going to set up the final chapters of our life. It's going to determine... How and where we're going to end up. It's going to determine whether we have reached the fullness of our potential or whether someplace in the wilderness our bones are bleaching and they're dry. Right. So, Abraham's life, he took the desert. Lot took the plains and they ended up under the Dead Sea. A lot ended up, of course, anytime you make a selfish choice, that's where you're going to end up, end up at. A lot ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And finally he, and he ended up as a great man there. And finally God said, I saw all the evil that I can handle, and I'm going to destroy it. But there was old Abraham again. Old Abraham was told, listen, saints, you can't be close to God. You can't stay close to God. And He'll hide anything from you. He'll let you know what's going to go on. If you're where you ought to be, he'll tell you. But Abraham took what was left. But in Abraham's life, this is the way Abraham's life ended up. It ended up in honor, ended up with integrity, and ended up with dignity. Lot's life, discord, tragedy, and sin. Lot lost everything. Abraham gained everything because he was flexible. Now then, the question is, why does God lead us in the pressure of situations? Why does He make things happen to us that we feel like should never happen? And when this does, we look around for somebody to believe. There's always somebody. But why not look to God and blame Him? Why not look to Him and say, All right, I'm here. It's not by my choosing. It's not what I wanted. But I want to know and understand why I'm here. Why these situations? God, I was doing just fine without this. I had everything going just fine. Hey look, I know what I'm talking about. I was doing just fine before I came here. Come on. Come on. What do you want, God? What's 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 the way? Which which direction? I want to know your way, Lord. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just, just understand that you're God. I want to know what your way is in my life. I want to know what your way is for community chapel. I want to know, God, which way I should walk. What I should do I fit in. That's why it leads us in the pressure situation. Because number one, we need to see what God is made of. Who God really is. A lot of us don't know who God really is. And those that have gone through a wilderness experience recognize their human lack. It is not until we go into these places that we recognize our lack, our inabilities. doesn't make any difference how super spiritual our super saint we are. When He leads us into those things, our superness disappears. And we become just a plain old person that needs to know the way. But they discover that God extends beyond their own limitations. God brings to bear upon us a lot of things. I think what He's do- doing and what He do- has done is took every tool that we have taken out of our hands personal life and taken out of our congregation until we come to realize that if anything is done, it has to be the Holy Ghost of God that does it. We can't do it. Amen. Amen. And sometimes he just lays us bare. Yes he does. He just takes away everything that we ever thought we had. All the abilities we ever thought we had and all the superness that we ever thought we had and He lays it bare. And he looks at, we look at Him and say, God, I really don't amount to know much, do I? I'm just not really what I thought maybe I was. I'm not as great as what I told myself I was. You see... He is merciful, more merciful than we thought. I'll have to say, my God, I know that. I think I learned with who was it, Peter and John, and whoever it was, when uh, they have some problems with somebody, they just looked at it and said, Lord, will we call fire down from heaven? In other words, they said, burn those fellows up. Zap them. I mean, zap them, Lord. <laughs> you see, that's that's our mercy. But we find in God a mercy that goes beyond our ability to understand. And then we understand that God extends farther than we can. And His grace goes farther than our own grace. Embraces, Embraces and reaches farther how they discover God in the tough times of their life. I don't think God has ever been as close to me as he has been in the tough times of my life. I mean, he does a number on me. He makes me realize that he reaches down into the depths of sin and despair and wash up the, the ugliest, most polluted individual there is, and time and time again, he'll do this where I'd write him off. Cross him out, put an X there, God. And yet his mercy and grace reaches out and extends far beyond my capacity to understand. But God don't expect us to understand. He expects us to accept. Yes. What is it? That's a movie out. says, leave her to heaven. <laughs> Let's just leave them in God's hands. Amen. Now then, we need to know about God. But God leads us in the wilderness of pressure so we can see what we're made out of. Mm-hmm. We need to see our weaknesses. We need to see our flaws. Everybody else sees them. Come on, (laughs) and everybody else is more than willing to tell us all about it. But that usually doesn't do any good because we feel like we don't have it. Come on. But when we get to the place where God leads us in and under pressure, and He strips us of everything, then we recognize, "Oh, woe is me! I really do have flaws." I really do have weaknesses. I really do have failures. God, how did this ever happen? As super saint, super spiritual as I am, how did I ever get this fall in my life? But when we see it, when we understand it, and when we quit blaming everybody and start looking at ourselves, and when we say, God, what am I supposed to learn on this? Why do we need to know about ourself? Not am closing. Because we have to work in cooperation with the Holy Ghost in maturing our lives. It takes the Holy Ghost and us. You say, well, the Holy Ghost can do it, not without your consent." That's right. Now, Paul said we are workers together with God. In other words, we have to cooperate with Him. We need to operate with the knowledge of the changes God is wanting to make in our life and bringing us into more maturity. If we are aware of those things that God wants in our life, and we operate with the knowledge, And it's not always the devil that does these things to you and not always somebody else, but it is God leading you into the wilderness of pressure to open Himself to you and open yourself to you. And then in cooperation with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, we can allow God to bring about a change in our life and we don't kick against the prince. Sometimes I think if some of us get to heaven, God will have to take us kicking and screaming to get us that. I really do. We need to know, saints, areas of are vulnerability. Where are we vulnerable? Now, all of us are. Someplace, somehow. What bothers you don't affect me one bit. And what bothers me doesn't affect you one bit. But we are vulnerable in some areas. And the devil knows where it's at. And God knows where it's at. And he don't want us vulnerable in any area. And so he leads us into that very place. And then he says, Get him, devil. Work on him. And he will unless you went in there armed with that Reba word. You can do away with it all. You see, if we know the areas where we're vulnerable, then we're going to be be forewarned. If we can just let God point out and make us see where we're vulnerable, then we're forewarned that this is the very area that God is going to allow us to be worked on. And then, if we know that, we'll make the right choices in that time. So, what choices are we going to make? What kinds of pressure situations are we going to be under? How will we respond when the Spirit leads us into the wilderness of pressure? Those are questions I think that only you can answer. Of course, we don't know what the future holds. I don't know, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what it holds for us as a congregation. I don't know what it holds for you as individuals. And I don't know what road God's going to ask us to walk. But we can't ask the Lord to make us ready to make the right choices, not just easy ones. And then we'll be able to do battle. We've got the real word. That's a cutting, piercing type of thing that the enemy don't want to mess with. But any time he just sees anybody just chattering scripture and they don't even know what it means, they don't even know what it's all about. I know people that's memorized the whole Bible. That don't make them powerful. That's right. Unless they get exactly. it inside here and know what it'll do for them and understand what it is. And sad to say so many Christians don't have the slightest idea about the sword and the spirit which is the word of God. We don't know the scriptures to use because we're not knowledgeable of the Word of God. You used to have excuses where it says, well, I can't read. Well, that won't work anymore because they got the whole Bible on tape unless you can't hear. Well, if you can't read and you can't hear And well, then maybe you've got a problem. But uh, then they do have in Braille. That's way. You see, it's ours. It belongs to us. So what choices, saints, are we going to make? When God leads us into the wilderness of pressure, puts it over you, works you over takes everything that you thought was firm and uh, slides it out from you. Well, you've got nothing left but God. And His word, are you going to hear it? Or are you going to turn and walk into the wilderness and die? That's the choices that's left to us. Yeah. God will not encroach upon our rights. That's why it takes both of us, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God in us, to mature us. Because we have to be with them. We have to have a heart of soul for say, God, what do I need? Where am I to live? Show me why. And then show me your way. Extend Show me your way. I know about you, Lord. I know about you. All of us have seen miracles. My God, we ought to see more, but all of us have seen miracles. And then, just about the time that you feel like they ought to be one, there is. If you don't have something to brace you and hold you, if you don't have a word that will solidify you, you're going to go this way and that way and some other way yes. and be understand. Right. Not everybody gets healed. I've seen some of the best saints die. Right. Some of the most hardened sinners here. Right. Not all don't. <laughs> I just know God is still, yes. Yes. still God. I've seen some of the worst people prosper and some of the best ones struggle. I will move upon your life. I'm your God. I deserve everything. There's nothing that man deserves nothing man can do. Whatever he is, ever was, ever will be, is because of the grace of Almighty God. Therefore, tender your heart toward me, my children. Feel me, I have felt after you and I've found you. Therefore, feel after me, for I am real near to you. Search your life, search your heart, and search your mind, and set not your spirit against me, saith God. For I am your friend. I am not your enemy. And I will give you grace and power and strength that the world knows nothing about. Here now and worship me, Save God. Hallelujah. God. Uh, a little bit of confusion.